name is JJ. Um, this is my wife Esther. We are from South Africa originally. Been here for three years. Our privilege and honor to lead the campus here in Crowley. Our Savior's Church um, has three uh, churches in this region here. It's uh, one of Jennings, Eunice, and Crowley. And uh, our heart for you is that you would truly and personally know God. That you would know what it means to walk in a relationship with God. And um, know what it means to to have victory over any and everything that might hold you back in your relationship with Him. We want you to live free of all the hurts, the hang-ups, the sin, the addictions, the, the bondage, anything from your past that is still bugging you, bugging you, and, uh, and holding you down. We want you to break free of that. And so uh, we do that in, in a community um, where we make disciples. We believe Jesus said in Matthew 28, verse 19, that the church has to go out and make disciples of all nations. Amen? Amen? And so we want to be a church that has that in mind, has that focus about all people being welcome, all nations being welcome, and us are reaching, we're reaching out to other nations. We're here because this church has relationships with other nations, and when there was a need for pastors to come in and serve, we were able to respond to that call. And it's, it's been the most incredible journey, and we've enjoyed every step of the way. Um, if you're here for the first time today, thank you for coming. You could have gone anywhere, uh, but you chose to come here today. And so we want to honor you and thank you for that. Um, and uh, if you will fill in one of those cards, we commit to blessing you. We'll take you out for a free lunch or a free coffee or something just to show you that we're thankful, really, really thankful, and really care that you were here. Um, because it's so important to us that you know that this is a church that wants to know people and wants to journey with people to take steps of growth in Jesus. Amen? Amen. All right, so um, I want to I wanna jump in, but before I do that, let me quickly, um, let, me say, let me say something about walking in your purpose. I'm going to talk a little bit about that today as well. But for us, walking in one's purpose means that one would walk in a relationship with Jesus. Our purpose is not definable outside of our designer's input into it. We were all designed by God on purpose and for His purposes. And I know to the extent that each and every one of us find our uh, um, the understanding of what He has called us here to do, we will live in joy and peace the fundamental characteristics of the kingdom of God. And to the extent that we don't, we will lack joy and peace. But it all becomes a factor of knowing Him first. Because the Bible says, in His light, we see light. The Bible says, as we behold His face, we understand who we are and how we are to be. And so, don't look to yourself to figure yourself out. We look to Christ to figure ourselves out. We look to Him to help understand who we are. You can't find yourself by going out there in the world and trying all sorts of different things. No, you find yourself by accessing the knowledge of your designer about you and letting him define you. And that's, that's something that we're really passionate about each and every one of us walking into. So we've been talking about getting unstuck in our relationship with God, moving beyond things that hold us back. And, oh man, I've, I've rarely had such feedback on sermon series as we've had on this one. This has been challenging. It has been loving. It has been, uh, sometimes it's been tough love. Sometimes it's been real TLC for, for people that needed it. Um, you all know what TLC is, right? Tender love and care, you know? And uh, um, all in all, we've just seen people get free from mindsets, free from patterns in their life, 
people engage freedom, engage the journey or the process of getting free that they've kind of just given up on. Oh, I'm not even trying to get free from this thing anymore. Well, this this series have really helped some people get unstuck from that, you know, that disposition to really believe that Jesus can make you free from all bondage, um, not just the ones that send you to hell, but all bondage, even the ones we do that just, you know, have detrimental effects on our lives. Might go to heaven, but man, we're just going to have one hard road to, 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 to get there with so many, you know, um, uh, setbacks and so many disappointments. Um, there are things that God wants to, you to avoid, but he can only help you avoid them if you walk in his ways. Amen. We've been saying to each other that if we live God's way, we produce God's outcomes in our lives. We can't produce God's outcomes by living according to our own plans and our own good ideas. And so all of this has just been a, a time of getting unstuck from lies that, are, that have, you know, we've believed for so long. Um, religion. Just a pattern of rules and regulations that has absolutely no power to transform you into want to being obedient to God. And living according to that desire that changed inner desire to not live, to not obey Jesus because of obligation or duty, but to do it out of an absolute desire, to do it out of an absolute joy. People have been getting unstuck from religion, and it's been beautiful to see. Today, we're going to talk about purpose partners and how we all play a role in one another's journey of getting unstuck from these things. How many of you know that uh, uh, parents here, your, your children, you, you try to teach them things, you try to teach them things, and then one day they come home and they said, hey, I'm going to start doing this because that person said this to me. You're like, you know, I've been saying that to you your whole life. Right? <laughs> How many of you have had that? Like, yeah. so, sometimes a parent just needs another adult that echoes what they've been saying all along. But all of a sudden it just opens up. It just, some, they, 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 just, they just hear it. It's like if they hear it for the first time, you got I'll tell you that. Well, we actually are the same as our children because, because that's kind of like human beings. You don't hear certain things until a certain person tells you that thing. Like your wife could be going like, man, you need to do this, man, you need to stop doing that. And all of a sudden that guy, you know, that brother of yours goes like, brother, you really suck at this. You really need to change this. <laughs> and you go like, oh, you know what, my wife's been trying to tell me that for so long. Amen. We need each other's input in our lives. And we're going to talk about that a little bit today. Um, this will be the final message in our Unstuck series. Next week we'll be moving on um, to the next thing. So let's read together um, about, about a, a biblical figure, very well-known biblical figure. And we're going we're gonna to kind of go along with his journey of uh, see the relationships that he had in his life and see how that can teach us today about uh, how we should put purpose partners in our lives. So, and... Um, Join me in Acts 13, verse 22. It says this. After removing Saul, God, he made David their king. God testified concerning David. I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own Thank heart. You. He will do everything I want him to do. Now when David had, and then we skip ahead to verse 36, the end of the story. It says, now when David had served the purpose of God in his generation, he fell asleep and he was buried with his ancestors. How many of you would want that to be said of you? After you have served the purpose of God for your generation, you fell asleep. I think of that and I go to myself, man, it's like 
when you still have breath in your lungs, you still have a purpose for God that you're here. But I also realize that sometimes we try to define our own seasons. You're like, you know, in this season of my life, this is what I'm going to do. The next season of my life, here's how I am going to do that. And then in the last season of my life, this is what I want to be busy doing. Not once maybe even considering that God has a different plan for the season that you are in. I've heard a couple of guys during this series just say, oh my goodness, God is completely wrecking my plans. And I thought right now I would be like, you know, doing this, but now God is calling me back into the game. Yes, God has purpose for your life until the day that you fall asleep and you go to be with your fathers and mothers. And so get used to the fact that in Christianity, there is no retirement. Right? You cannot graduate from your purpose. That means you're dead. Like when you graduate from your purpose, it means you've gone on to the next life. But the key here is how we speak about purpose. It's not your purpose. It's His purpose for you. And there's a huge difference. The one is me-centered. The one I'm looking to myself. I'm looking to my abilities. I'm looking to my dreams. I'm looking to my hopes. I'm looking to my goals. The other one, I'm looking to God. And I'm asking God, God, what do you have for me? What would you like me to walk in? It's taking that spirit of sonship that Jesus had with his father where he used to say, I only do what I see my father doing. I, I, I only do what, I, what my father wants me to do. <laughs> Of all people, Jesus had the power to build himself an empire, and yet that's not what God required of him. God required of him to lay down his life. And he purely just did as he saw God direct him to do. He was living out God's purpose for him. But God took David and he made him king. And how many of you know David, according to the testimony of Scripture here, says that he did everything God wanted him to do. How many of you know that David did a whole lot more than that, <laughs> right? He did not do only what God wanted him to do. I think it says here, you know, I have found uh, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. God knows we're human. He knows we're not going to only do what he, what he wants us to do. But there within there is that, that, that space that is filled up with grace. Where God says, regardless of what you've done, or regardless of what you're struggling with, you can still walk in my purpose and still do everything that I want you to do. David didn't get to do everything that God had purposed him to do by just doing it all alone. David had relationships that helped him get there. Now, David did some extraordinary things, and we, we often remember the highlights, but we're going to look at, at something that we might not know today about David um, and how, how that points to relationships and what, what he really needed in his life. So why are relationships so important? I am very convinced that um, the one, some of the most important decisions you make in your life is uh, the people that you surround yourself with. So just think about marriage, right, real quick. Think about business partners. Think about things like that. People that you surround yourself with, they have huge impact on our lives, right? Think about the fact that when you marry someone, you don't just marry an individual. You marry their family. 
I mean, you found that out. <laughs> Sometimes that can be like, you know, stepping into, into, into a war. But the bottom line is that relationships have impact. Sometimes for the good or sometimes for, for the worse. I stepped into an incredible, incredible house when I married my, my wife. Um, there was a godly dad, a godly mom. Uh, who were pursuing God intimately and passionately. By the way, y'all get to meet them soon. Okay? Oh, my my in-laws are coming to visit in April, and they'll be here for two months. Oh, so it's going to feel like they're the for. I'm going to make a good next step, and I'm going to get them. <laughs> the That's funny. <laughs> but you'll see what I mean when I say, I, I, I mean, I, we, we say in South Africa, I, I felt with my behind into the butter. Um, <laughs> it was just like you know, it was a blessing. Um, and uh, but I, I, I do, I do take some credit, you know, because because I chose her. <laughs> just a little bit. No, I'm just kidding. No, God has really truly blessed me with my uh, parents and law. Um, and I think it's because I, I knew that you know, from a young age, God's wisdom was graciously. You know, imparted to me that you don't just marry an individual. And the individual that you marry literally forms you. So young people, I don't know where you're at in your journey of trying to find a somebody. Don't just settle for anybody. Trust me, your whole life is going to be impacted by this. You want to at least see amazing, amazing fruit of potential, not just potential, because sometimes love is blind, and we believe things about people that's not really true, right? You want to see fruit of potential in the person's life that you are going to pursue for that forever relationship, because that relationship will make you or it will break you, and we've seen so many hard, hard situations of brokenness that was the direct result of two people marrying each other that should have never married each other. Listen to me, young people. Even if you make a mistake and you, for some reason, feel that because of this mistake, I am obligated to marry this person, don't. You are not obligated to marry somebody because of a mistake. Mm. Fix the mistake don't mess up the rest of your whole life. Amen. You hear me? You can deal with that mistake and you're going to deal with it. Oh boy, are you going to deal with it. For the rest of your life, you're going to deal with that mistake. But God will redeem it. God will redeem it. He'll give you grace. He'll reinstate you in your character, in your, in your righteousness. If you allow His way to direct you how to fix the mistake, right? fix the mistake where it's supposed to be fixed. Don't make another mistake to try and cover up for that one. Life don't turn out well if you try that. Now, it might be that you're meant to, and God blesses it, and condone it, and that person is repentant, and y'all both want to serve Jesus together. Absolutely. Absolutely. But be careful. You can't fix a mistake by making another mistake. Trust God's guidance in moments of crisis like that so that you don't keep on adding more mistakes because that relationship will be a very, very important part of shaping your life. I believe that the quality of our life really is determined not by our work success, 
not by our bank balance, but it's determined by our relationships. How many of you know that when you don't have peace around you in your relationships, life is tumultuous, to say the least? There is nothing like having peace around you in the people that are around you. That can be the greatest foundation and the greatest platform from which to build a life of significance and a life of success. We're going to first commit to building lives of significance and let the success thing in God's hands. So that's why relationships are so important. Okay? They affect every area of our lives. They affect every area of our lives. Proverbs 13 verse 20 says this. It's a message translation. Become wise by walking with the wise. Hang out with fools and watch your life fall to pieces. What's interesting here is it doesn't say walk with the wise and become wise and then walk with the fools and become a fool. No, it just skips to the outcomes. Become a fool and watch your life fall to pieces. Watch your life fall to pieces. There are no such thing as mutual relationships. They're either pushing you toward Jesus and towards his purpose for your life, or they're, tra- you're, you're, they're dragging you down, they're dragging you away from it. And the hard thing to do is to choose against our natural instinct relationships. To choose against our natural instincts and their relationships that pull us towards Jesus. We are inclined to choose natural relationships, familial relationships, over relationships that are spiritually centered. Let me tell you this. Jesus had regard for his natural family as, in as far as his natural family was in sync with his purposes. You are not called upon to have more regard for your natural family than their lives and their th- and their, what, their, what their influence on you, uh, that they have on you, is inclined with God's purpose for you. God's first. Jesus is first. And His kingdom comes first over natural relationships. Now, God wants us to honor our natural relationships. But insofar as they actually promote our union with Christ, when they detract from it, you have some serious decisions to make. Either you confront that relationship and ask it to conform to God's will, or you have to cut it off. Go read the Bible. Jesus said, if you do not, he said it even worse than what I was saying it just now. Jesus said, if you're not willing to hate your father, your mother, your brother, your sister, you're not worthy of being my disciple. I'm not saying it as, as hard as that today, but that's what the Bible, that's what he explained. He didn't mean for you to hate them. He said there has to be a priority shift. You have to honor the relationship with Jesus and the spiritual relationships that draw you toward him. You have to honor that and give that a higher influence in your life than the relationships that don't. Now, thank God, in our situation, both of our families are Christ followers. So there's nobody in our family that is drawing us and trying to pull us away from Christ. So that puts them all right up there. So I'm, I, don't, I don't have to make that decision. But some of us do. Because we are called to be Jesus' disciples. And that means that He is first. He is first. Our destiny is tied to our relationships. Our destiny is tied to our relationships. There are some people that will literally go to hell. Because they cannot break the relationships 
that caused them to reject Jesus. And it's hard, man. It's sad. It breaks your heart. But it's, it's reality. Our eternal destiny is based on a relationship with Jesus. It is. Even heaven is a relationship decision. You decide to follow Jesus and believe and commit your life to following Him. That means His sacrifice is applied to your life. Which means you no longer have to face the consequence of your sin. And you'll be able to enter into heaven based on that faith relationship you have with Jesus. But even on earth, you know, God knew that it wasn't good for us to be alone. He placed people in our lives. For heaven's sake, He placed significant people in our lives. He said, it's not even good for a man to be alone. Like, you know, in life, just you need a helper. You need a person that will come alongside you. So that's why he created this whole thing we call marriage. And thank God he created this thing called marriage because I love it. <laughs> it's awesome. Right? He wanted us to not walk alone. This Psalm 62 says, God takes the lonely and he places them in family. It's good. God does not want you to walk alone, fight alone, try alone, figure it out alone. What do we try to do? We try to try to withdraw. We try to isolate ourselves and try to figure ourselves out and decide everything that we need to do. And we go like, this is what I'm going to do. I'm okay now. Let me re-enter relationships. And then it never works. Because God did not mean for us to process alone. He meant for us to be in community with one another. He meant for us to be with one another. God meant for us to be with people that we don't just hang out with, but people that can help us grow. People that can help us move forward in our relationship with Him, in our purpose. People that can help us to take steps of growth. And you know what? Sometimes those moments are a little bit uncomfortable. Yeah, how many of you have had an uncomfortable moment in a growth conversation with somebody? Right? Look at me. I have had plenty of them. <laughs> I've had plenty of them. And some of them hurt me at first before they helped me. But I am thankful for each and every one of those moments where somebody said to me, I see more in you than what you're seeing in yourself right now. You have to step up. God wants to connect you to people that will direct you into His purposes for your life. We're going to call them purpose partners for today, okay? Purpose partners. And then we're going to look at all the purpose partners, not all, but many of the purpose partners that David, that God put in David's life that helped him to go from just being a shepherd boy that was faithful and, 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 and you know, a um, uh, good character, but, but, but then to advance through to being a leader of a nation. So there's four... Um, Four reasons why we need these purpose partners, and then I'm going to tell you what they, where to find them, and how to how to position yourself so that you're able to find these people, and what's the effect that they'll have on your life. Okay. So the first, when you have purpose partners in your life, they will um, see you when you're in obscurity, and they will call the potential out of you. Okay. So somebody saw me when I was just a young man. And he knew that there was something of, of a leadership capacity on me. But nobody around me necessarily saw that. 
But he kept egging me on. He kept kind of like saying, hey, you should go and you should try this. You should do this. Hey, won't you come and be with me here so that I can show you some things? He kept calling things out of me that I might not have even seen for myself. That is a purpose partner. Look at what 1 Samuel 16 say about David. David had um, uh, um, uh, been out there in obscurity serving the sheep. You know, serving the sheep. Uh, shepherding the sheep, and back home something incredible was happening. A prophet came to town, and he asked Jesse to get all of his sons together because, lo and behold, God had announced that one of his sons is going to be anointed as the next king. And so Jesse presented, verse 10, all of his sons to Samuel, but Samuel said to him, The Lord has not chosen any of these. And he asked, Are all of your sons here? And then Jesse said, There is still the youngest. But he's out in the field shepherding, watching the sheep. And we all, they all knew what that meant. They, that meant that he was not worthy to even be considered for this. He was not worthy to even be considered just meeting or being in the presence of this great man of God. But Samuel said, send for him at once. We will not sit down to eat until he arrives. That must have been awkward. <laughs> so <laughs> imagine for those other guys who are like, so it's none of us, what are we still doing here? Okay, we're just kinda of, you know, waiting. <laughs> that must have been awkward. Yet Samuel waited for Jesse for for, 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 for David to come. And uh, um and it says there in verse I think it's verse thirteen or verse twelve, this is the one, anoint him. And so David stood there among his brothers. Samuel took the flask of oil he had brought, and he anointed David with the oil. And the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. And Samuel returned, and then guess what David does? David goes right back to the sheep, and he starts shepherding the sheep again. This incredible moment where somebody recognizes him. Don't all of us cry out for somebody to see us? Don't we all want somebody to say, Hey, there's something in you. I see greatness on you. I see something in you that God can use significantly for His purposes. Don't we all really want that to be said of us? Don't we all want to be found? I mean, so many times, you know, people are like putting themselves out there just hoping that somebody would find them and give them an opportunity. That's why we put our CVs out there in the world. That's why we, we, we promote ourselves on social media, to try and be found. Artists who try to get recognized or get a, get a break, they will record stuff and they will put it out there for the world to kind of see. And they're hoping that some producer somewhere sees them and chooses them. There's so much of life that's based on this principle of wanting to be found. Samuel found David, and he did something real significant for David. He brought him out of obscurity, and he brought him into the, into the purpose of God. Now, was God's purpose always there? Yes, it was. It was always there. Was David going to find it with, with, without that man coming and saying, mm -mm, none of these, I need that one? Probably not. And so God wants to place these purpose partners in our lives. And look at me, this is... This is probably where the church plays a huge role in your life. Helping you see who you are in Christ and how God can use your gifts to His, for His glory, for His kingdom. 
And that's why God wants the church to be a purpose partner for you. God wants you to see greater, further than what your plans have been able to declare about you, to define you as. Some of you here have businesses in you. Dreams that you feel like, man, one day, maybe one day, I'll get going on that. Some of you here are, are, are needing to step into a role that you'll be just like, oh, I don't know if I can do that. You know, I've always wanted to do this, but I've never really taken the time to think about when I'm going to do this. Let me tell you, people start seeing things about you. They start calling things out of you. All of a sudden, you start considering, wow, maybe I should try this. Maybe I should get back into that thing that I've been trying to get, get into for so long. Purpose partners call us out of our obscurity. They call out the potential in us. And they help us to take steps. They help us to take action. Proverbs 27, 17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so friends sharpen a friend. How many of you have ever sharpened a knife? How many of you know it's not one, it's not just one strike across that stone that sharpens it? It's multiple multiple times of friction, multiple times of intentional, angled pressure and resistance. <laughs> you, you get the story? We have to position ourselves in a place where there is sometimes going to be friction, sometimes going to be you know, uncomfortable intentionality on us. Man, I was, I was meant to cut things. Stop, stop dragging me over this stone. It's abrasive. It's hurting me. Meanwhile, what you don't realize is you are being sharpened. You are being sharpened. Can we make some declarations today? Would you guys join me in saying some things out loud over your life? Yeah. All right. Declare this with me. I need someone. I need someone. Besides me. Besides me. To believe in me. To believe in me. You might say, well, I have that. My wife, my wife does that for me. Is that the case where she's been saying things to you all this time? Or is that the case where you really are being instructed by her? I'm just asking. I'm just asking. Okay. Point number two. When we're stuck in fear, purpose partners seek the Lord with us. Seek the Lord with us. This was Jonathan. In 1 Samuel 23, it says, While David was at Horesh in the desert of Ziph, he learned that Saul had come out to take his life. And Saul's son, Jonathan, went to David at Horesh and helped him find strength in God. I think we're pretty familiar with this one. But I also think that sometimes we're very very reluctant to do this in the moments that we need most because of our pride or because of our egos. God wants to place purpose, purpose partners in your life that you are open to, that you can tell, or that can tell by themselves that you're not going through a good time and that they will start seeking the Lord with you to get that breakthrough. Proverbs 17, 17 says this, A friend is always loyal and a brother is born to help in time of need. A, bro a brother is born to help in a time of need. Sometimes we're too prideful to ask for help. We think it points to us negatively. We think it points to us and, and shows that we're weak. 
really I've seen it's only the strongest of people that are willing to let others close. It's people who are probably insecure and afraid of letting other people close that thinks that they need to figure everything out on their own. A secure, humble person allows other people to come close enough to see their weaknesses and to help them to stand up. Let's say this with me. I need someone besides me. I need someone beside me. That can pray for me. That can pray for me. So just switching back to the person that saw me in obscurity and talking about the person that sees me when I'm in fear and helps seek the Lord with me, where do I find these people? Here's something that you need to realize. People that will see you in obscurity requires your proximity. Where do I find somebody that can call me out of that place? You find them in a place called obscurity. Sorry, uh, 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 um, uh, um, proximity is the word. You find them in a place called proximity. They have to be close enough to you. When we isolate ourselves, when we live life just large and, you know, uh, without becoming close enough to some people, necessary people, there's nobody that really knows us well enough to see the potential in us. And the danger is that we might remain in obscurity way longer than God wants us to be. The second place we find people that will see our fear and help us in our moment of weakness is the place called vulnerability. Ooh, do we like to go there? We don't like to be in a place of vulnerability. But that's where you find the kind of people that will seek the Lord with you. And that will walk you out of that place of fear. Sometimes the strongest thing you can do is to show people your weakness. The third reason why we need purpose partners is when we're stuck in sin, they will speak the truth to us. Ish. Ish. Back where I come from, you know, when you can't say amen, you say ish. You know, we, we, we want people to just agree with us. We want people to just, you know, just champion us. But what we sometimes need is people that will be honest with us. People will speak the truth to us. In David's life, this was Nathan. 2 Samuel 12, Nathan said to David, this is after David had messed up with Bathsheba. And he covered it up by killing another person. By the way, David not only killed just another person, he killed one of the people that was very close to him. I'll talk about them in a second. His mighty men. He killed one of his mighty men to cover up his sin. Another reason why you can't fix a mistake with another mistake. But Nathan comes. Nathan is a prophet. And he shares the story with David of an injustice. That was perpetrated by a man in power against a man who had no power. And David is, is angered by this. And he's, he's ready to act against that man. And then Nathan says to him, you David are that man. You are that man. 
So by the way, just talking about Nathan, the kind of purpose partner that he was, think about this. Didn't David just kill somebody to cover this up? And here comes Nathan and says to him, hey, by the way, I also know. <laughs> He's basically announcing, I'm next on the hit list, David. If you want this to go away, you're going to have to take care of me. Can you be that kind of purpose partner for somebody? Can you put yourself on their hit list? Because sometimes that's what's required. To really help somebody that you love. He says to him, you are that friend. Proverbs 27 says, you can trust a friend who wounds you with his honesty. We're so afraid of offending people. That we will rather tata people on their merry way to destruction than speak the truth and save them out of a pickle. Come on, everyone. God wants more for us. And that means he, wants, he requires more of us in this area of relationships. Where do I find a person that's willing to step into that place, to put himself on that hit list? I find him in accountability. The place is called accountability. And guess who could? I cannot hold you accountable until you ask me to hold you accountable. Accountability is a self-inflicted pain. Because <laughs> if I try to keep you accountable on something that you haven't agreed to allow me into, all that's going to happen is you're going to be offended and you're going to walk away. So you have to open up the place of accountability for somebody to step into. You have to invite somebody into things. You have to say to them, look, here's what, I'm gonna, here's what I feel I need to do to respond to what God is telling me. I need you to help remind me. I need you to ask me and check on me and see how I'm doing. Accountability helps people to speak into those blind spot areas in our lives where they can speak the truth to us that we so dearly need. When we get that, we get somebody that we can say of, we need somebody that is willing to correct us. I need somebody that's willing to correct me. That's the kind of people I need in my life, the kind of relationship that if I have them, my life will grow toward God's purposes for me. And I will start seeing the significance of His reason for me being here in this time of the world. The last thing <laughs> that we need people to, to, to become purpose partners for is that when we're in battle, they will fight the enemy on our behalf. They will fight the enemy on our behalf. How many of you know what David's first giant's name was? How many of you know what his second giant's name was? Did y'all know that there was a second giant? All right, let's, let's, let's look at this. So David had this group of people called the Mighty Men. It was 30-odd people across the span of time. Some say 37, some say just under 40. Um, uh, not all of them lived all throughout his, uh, his reign. But they, were, they talk about the 30 men that was with David. And these were men that literally pledged their lives to, to serve David. And, 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 and they would go out and battle and... And, and, and help him uh, you know, obtain the victories that he needed to obtain. They fulfilled significant roles of friendship and leadership within his army. Um, 
And um, in 2 Samuel 21, we see a moment where one of these mighty men uh, just stepped into the fray. It says, once again, the Philistines were at war, at war with Israel. And when David and his men were in the thick of battle, David became weak and exhausted. David has now been king for a while. And he was grown a little old. Like I said, I said to my wife the other day, man, I just don't have the energy. Like I have a big pile of, big, I have a big pile of bricks in front of my house. I moved them all there. It's like a thousand bricks or something. I don't know exactly how many, but it's like this high. And my wife says it's not a thousand bricks. I think it's a thousand bricks. You find them in accountability, okay? Good purpose partners. Thanks, man. It's many bricks, okay? <laughs> it's about yay high. You figure out the count for yourself. But I'll put them all there with these two hands. Only that now I need to move them, and I just don't want to. I'm like, oh my goodness. Can I find a machine or something to pick this up, please? Um, David was reaching a time of his life where he was not as, you know, as strong as he used to be. And the Bible says here that the giant Ishbai Benob was he was a descendant of the, the, the giants. His bronze spearhead weighed more than seven pounds. Alright, so this is the spear that he has to throw in battle. By the way, did y'all know the Olympic weight for a woman's shot put is eight pounds? So think about that ball that they push out to that, you know, that's the weight of this guy's spearhead. When I last checked, you want that thing to be a little lighter than that, you know? This was a this was a, a this was a big boy. He was armed with a new sword and he had cornered David and he was about to kill him. You know, David beat his first giant with just a, with, with a stone. Okay, he killed him with the sword, but he beat him first with the stone with just with just one stone. Now, we, we think of that as like, man, it's a real combination of like a miraculous moment, but also, you know, preparation. David's skill was just, you know, fine-tuned, but God made an incredible thing happen there through David. Yet here, David is finding himself almost in a similar spot where he is about to face a giant that wants to kill him. And I don't know if he had any more rocks left, but I do know that the Bible says that he was about to lose. He was about to lose. I can imagine that at that point, David was wondering, is there going to be another miracle for me? And you know what happened? God didn't send him a miracle. He sent him a brother. He won the first fight with a rock. But the second fight, he won with a relationship. That's good. It says here in verse 17, Abishai the son of Zeruiah. Abishai was number four in his line of mighty men. The first three were the closest to David. Abishai was right outside that inner circle. The first of the rest of the guys, Abishai, came to David's rescue and he killed that Philistine. But not only did he save him there, then he says, David's men declared, you're not coming out to battle with us again. And it was the last time that he went out to battle with them. Why risk snuffing out the light of Israel? These men had influence in his life enough 
to tell him, you're not doing this no more. We're going to handle this for you. Think of that. Let's make this declaration. I need someone besides me. I need, I need someone besides me. That can fight for me. That can fight for me. Where do you find this kind of friend? This one is different than the others. The others you find in, in places, soul conditions, decisions. This one you find in time. You find these people by having them around you for a while. You find people like this by committing to building over a period with the same people through thick and thin, through offenses and forgiveness, you find these people in time. And so many times what we find in the body of Christ, especially in the, in the non-denominational world, is Christians like to church hop. They like to go from one spiritual experience to the next spiritual experience, not realizing that they cannot grow very far in their lives. Why? Because no tree that's planted in a movable pot ever becomes way more than a bonsai. God needs you to somewhere step out of that mobile container and plant yourself in a garden where you will probably be irritated a little bit by the guy that is taking some of your son. Where you will probably be infracted upon by the other guy that gets more, 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 more attention from the kids. But God needs you planted in the garden where you can grow and where you can serve your purpose. Where you can become big enough to withstand the storms of life where you can become big enough to provide shelter for others, nesting place for yet more to grow under you. You find these relationships in time. You can't get them through experience. And so it calls on us to, to make intentional decisions to go to these places. I need to go to this place of proximity. I need to go to this place of vulnerability. I need to go to this place called accountability. And I need to do that for a long enough time so that I can develop people around me that will be like David's mighty men, that will save me at the risk of their own lives, that will stand in faith for me, that will speak to me the way I need to be spoken to, to get truth to me. People that will tell me what I can't and can, can and cannot do. But when we have these purpose partners, the quality of our life becomes exponentially um, thriving. Exponentially thriving. In church, we do our very best to provide a place like this where you can start building this kind of relationship with purpose partners around you. And it's called life groups. Small groups, connect groups, cell groups. I don't know which tree or which kind of like, you know, stream of whatever you came out of. 
But here, our life groups are the place where we build the kind of relationships that help us grow. You see, the Church of Jesus Christ was not called to give people experiences. It was called to help people grow. Yeah. We're called to make disciples, y'all. We're called to grow in, our, in the image of Christ, each and every one of us. But so often we've not allowed these relationships close enough in our lives. We've not opened up the, 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 the relational permission for relationships to come in and confront us with our lifestyle, confront, of, confront us with the things that we are doing that is causing us to stay stagnant, stuck, not growing, or even regressing, going back, dying. So I want to make a call and a massive appeal to each and every one of you. This is a church of life groups. We don't do life groups. It consists of a gathering of life groups. I think that's your cue, Mr. Paul. You need to stop playing. <laughs> and so by not being a part of a life group in our church, you're, you're literally going to feel like you're on the outside looking in. And we hate that. We're not clicking. We want everybody to be on the inside feeling. And the minute you step through those doors, we want you to know we're considering you family. Because we've been praying for you to come. And so when you come, we feel like it's an answer to prayer. We're feeling like you're meant to be with us because... Feels like answer. You'll see from our perspective. That's the that's the that's the attitude we have. Doesn't matter if you have, were here for a long time, went away, and came back. Our opinion of you doesn't change. God brought you here today, and we want you to be involved in this. We want you to feel every bit as involved and connected and loved and supported as we all feel in this place. And we're giving you the the way how to get that. Get involved in our life groups. Today we're going to do a life group sign-up. On the outside there, you walk up, you see tables next to you. There's going to be options of where life groups are going to be held, different topics, different things. I want you to go and consider. If you feel like, man, I need a week to make this decision, mm, sometimes it's best to just make the decision when the Holy Spirit moves on your heart. Most of the times. All the time, sorry. <laughs> but if you really need a moment, we're going to have it again next week. And there's even going to be a link that you can use to, to, to scan and, and, and find an online uh, information about this where you can sign up. But our heart and our desire is, to, is for you to become known with us. And guess what? It's not so that we can help you only. It's so that we can activate your ministry. We can activate God's purpose in your life so that you can help us. Why do you think God sent you here? Just to, for us to help you? No. We need you. Just as much as you need us. The body is being put together with each part fulfilling its purpose. And as each part commits their purpose to one another, it grows itself up in love, says Ephesians 4. So we need you as much as you need us. So consider today the fact that relationships is what helps you to grow into the fullness of what God had for you, had planned for you, had purpose for you here on earth. And make a decision to join some of these relationships by getting involved in a life group. Get involved in a life group. Let's all stand today as we pray for us.
Lord, you've called us through a relationship. And you have called us to relationship. And I pray for each person here that they will know that we love them more. We know that we love them. We know that we're, we're, we're so excited to get to know them and to see who it is that God has brought here for us to, to, to meet. We're so interested to see the passion that they have, Lord, the hopes and desires they have to be used and make a difference and be significant for you. We're so passionate about that, God. We so want them to, to know that we will nurture that, God, and, and help us, God, to, uh, to all form this community where we are so being loved and taken care of and, 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 and so inviting to anybody and everybody that wants to come and be a part of it, that we can change this region, Father, through the love that we have one for the other. God, I pray that you will just instill that conviction that we have to be a part of this in each person's heart here today. Those who have been here so long but have never connected into life group. Lord, I pray that they will today see how necessary and what a blessing it is to start knowing people in a place of proximity, accountability, and time. Father, we just, we just want your kingdom to come in our hearts. We know that you don't live in temples made by human hands, God. We know that you don't live in, in, in church services. You live in the sanctity of our hearts. And so, Father, may we obey our hearts turn towards your kingdom's ways today. May our hearts see that, that you want only the best for us, and that's why you're putting us into relationship, into connection, into knowing one another as we get to know you more. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We know that it is all for your glory. It's all for your purposes, God. And so we just glorify you. We give you all the honor and praise. Because you deserve it, Lord. Whether we think so or not, whether we're okay, whether we're struggling, you deserve to be worshipped. And honored and glorified. We thank you for this. In the name of Jesus.